This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our twice weekly show on a Tuesday and a Friday at 5 p.m. Our Tuesday show. I'm joined by a guest and I'm very happy today to be joined by Potsy. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm all right. Cheers, Canton. It's a little bit of a cold, brother, if I'm honest, but I'm, I'm sure I'll live. But um, it's not COVID because I've tested negative, mate. Uh, but yeah, it's just the sniffles, mate. And oh, mate, it's, it's still just coming out of cold and flu season, isn't it? So I'm putting it down to that. But I'm good, mate. And uh, thanks for having me on, bro. I mean, you already have quite a husky kind of voice. So Oof. if anything, it's only going to add. I mean, you'll be working in the red light district soon, fellow, with that one going. I will, mate. <laughs> I, 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 it's going to be that or, or replacing Beppe DeMarco from EastEnders. It's going to be one of those, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I think you've got a career ahead of you, whatever you choose to do anyway, with this uh, this new temporary thing that we're going to hear. And obviously, you're here down on the same old Arsenal and plenty of other places as well with his husky tone. So uh, make sure you tune in for those. Uh, more on that later. We are obviously here to kind of discuss I suppose Arteta mostly um Dan you joined me I think it was a couple of months ago um on the channel to kind of discuss and things were obviously very different by that point there was a lot more kind of open avenues at that point uh we didn't know how the Europa League was going to go we didn't really know how the league was going to go still um and obviously we were quite polar opposites at the time uh, and I think based upon kind of how things have played out since then, I've kind of shifted slightly closer, I would say, kind of towards where you're sitting and, and the court that you're currently in. But there are still a lot of questions that I've got to kind of gauge the feelings around the fan base and yourself. So just tell me in this moment, which is obviously days after a win against Newcastle, which was effectively meaningless and obviously a really disappointing result against Villarreal. So how, what is your mindset around the club right now? I think my mindset, as it always has been, is being my fingers are pointing more towards the ownership and the board as opposed to Mikel Arteta. Because let's be honest, Tom, I never wanted disappointment. I might have been harsh about Mikel Arteta's tactics, team selections and management um, ability, of course. However, the the, the rux of it is this is Kroenke's decision and the board's decision that we're stuck with. Make no qualms about it. If we go out on Thursday night, I don't expect them to sack him. I think he's here, whatever happens. We could come 16th in the league and be out 
of the Europa League and every other domestic trophy. And I still feel that they want us to trust this process because it's, it's fine for them, isn't it? They're over in the States. They don't come to games. They can't come to games anyway at the moment, but it's no different to them. They don't really seem to have reacted to this protest, if I'm honest with you, apart from saying sorry and coming on a fans forum saying they don't want to sell. So where I'm at currently is I want these owners out. I would have Kroenke out over Arteta 100%, although I want Arteta to leave because I just don't see it. I do believe that there are bigger problems than just Mikel Arteta at this club. And as much as I've been a fan of what Mikel Arteta has done with Edu off the pitch, I just can't get to grips with what he's trying to do on it. And the biggest example of that was last Thursday. What the hell was that? I don't know what the team selection was. I understand what the formation was. And unfortunately, Tom, neither did the players. Um, the, the lack of substitution confused me after Sabayas got sent off, which, let's be honest, everybody could see happening in their right mind. You didn't even have to be a football fan to know that Danny Sabayas was, one, playing poorly, and two, terrible. And mm. I think that most people were calling for his head just to come off because he was rubbish, not because they thought he was going to get sent off. I think yeah. he was both, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So there were some problems there, and I think his naivety over, overshone what I have been trying to say since November. And people have, let's be honest, given me some abuse for it. I said on the channel the other day um, on a podcast that I've, I've received loads of DMs saying, oh, I'm really sorry for giving you abuse. I think you might be right. Oh, really? I don't really well, want good. that. <laughs> I, I, I don't even want that, brother. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. If you want to say my opinion's wrong, you're more entitled to. And half the time, I have been wrong to with the things that I've said but my opinion mm. does not change on this manager that I don't think he's good enough moving forward and people have sort of said look I think you might be right now I think I'm, I'm starting to come over to your side it's not about sides this is about an Arsenal football club I don't want to be like yes I a sect I, I was right everybody else screw you that's not me man I, people who know mm. me know that I'm not like that I would love nothing more to see Arsenal win the Europa League I'd say like nothing more to see Mikel Arteta turn it around and be successful under this football club I just do not see it and I have to be realistic because my eyes do not lie to me and what I have seen over the last coming months has not been good enough for the standard of this level of football club and I know that people have got a lot more patience than me perhaps and perhaps I've been a bit spoilt growing up by winning stuff in the 90s and 2000s but the way I see it personally is we should be winning stuff now because all of that previous in the 80s that we didn't see and the, some of the 90s, which was frustrating, we could have sat there and gone, yeah, we can't be spoiled because look at where we are. We moved to the Emirates so that we could be winning stuff. So now that yeah. we're not, that's why I'm pissed. So that's the way I look at it. It's the board and ownership that I'm pointing my fingers at more. As much as I do want Mikel Arteta replaced, I'm still not saying that it's 100% his fault. I just don't understand what he's trying to do on this pitch. And last Thursday just summed up to me what I've been saying since November, Tom. I think that obviously TGT in itself can be a bit of an echo chamber at times in kind of how I put my views across on, on kind of the coaching has been so far this season. And, and that's why I like having you on, Dan, because obviously we can have a discussion about this. As you say, people have apologised to you for throwing your abuse about the manager, etc. which, as you say, you don't necessarily want because you'd rather he turned it around than you see people sending you apologies, etc. But the point is, it's very it's very hard to come by, to be honest, uh, kind of very on like a, a public level of people that are podcasting going on to channels and stuff that are putting the opinion out there that you don't want the manager to kind of stick around whilst maintaining a level of kind of level-headedness and respectfulness at the same time. And it is hard to do because obviously you're putting a, put across, it is, it's a negative opinion in the sense that obviously it goes against kind of success in a way of the current coach. I'm trying to word this in the right way. It's, it's, it's a positive, it's not basically me saying that 
saying if you're Arteta in, you're a positive person. Because obviously I know that you want the manager gone to move on to the next level and for Arsenal to improve. And you feel that the best thing for the club is for Arteta to, to move on. But can you tell what, what, do you know what I mean when I'm saying it's a negative view for a lot of people to think that sacking someone is looked upon as quite a negative thing. And that's why it's very difficult to have that view and to put it across in a way that's not going to necessarily get abuse from certain people. And that's probably why you have received abuse for a fair few people. We are now in a situation, obviously, where we know that effectively, no matter what happens this season, he's going to be here next season. I can't personally see the ownership changing anything. I can't see them removing him, no matter if we go out on Thursday and if we finish in the bottom half of the table in the Premier League this season. I still think he'll be here because I still think they view the majority of the issues at the club basically down to the squad rather than the coach. The reason why I've got more if we're all kind of a spectrum and you're at one end and I'm at the other, and why I've kind of rode my boat a little bit more to the centre, I suppose, is because of the decision-making. It's because of consistent problems that aren't being rectified. I can't justify the decisions that were made last Thursday. I can't justify the continuation of playing Xhaka at left-back. I just can't. It just makes absolutely no footballing sense. And while we made no substitutions for so long during the game, we made one with 10 minutes still left and you can make five changes in the game. So I suppose the kind of the question and the route to go into this is that I want to first focus on what we agree on is the main issue, which is the ownership, and then go down to the manager. And obviously we are seeing currently all this talk about a possible takeover with Daniel Ek maybe moving in to, to give a bid with the consortium of Burkamp on Riviera. I mean, you couldn't paint a lovelier picture for fans, could you really? The three legends moving towards a consortium of ownership. But I want to get your engage your feelings, I suppose, around how likely you think this is to happen. How likely do you think the Cronkies would sell if the right money came along? Or do you think they're just going to be stubborn and stick with what they've got? I think to answer both the questions, I think the only thing that I see happening is Kroenke staying and Arteta staying. The only thing to go back on what I've said there, Tom, is perhaps the owner, the owners believe that by one way of saying we care is that if he does lose on Thursday or he does lose in the final, that they sack Arteta by saying, there we go, we're serious about, about winning. We need to get somebody in who can win now. That's the only mm. thing I could potentially see. However, if I have my head on, I can't see that happening, and I think that he's going to be the manager. In terms of the ownership, how serious are they about selling the businessman, mate? So they'll sell 100%. Yeah. They can come out and say they won't sell. It's, it's BS. They will with the right money. I wasn't serious about this Spotify dude. I wasn't serious about this Invincibles. I thought it was a bit wishful thinking and a bit of a dream until Monday Night Football last night when Thierry Henry had his chat. And I think that is probably the most excited that fans should be of the last 15 years in terms of Stan Kroenke no longer being a part of Arsenal Football Club, which, let's be honest, I would say probably 85 to 95% of Arsenal fans probably do want deep down. I think that what Thierry Henry said is that Daniel Weck is an Arsenal fan and he is serious about caring for the fans and the ambitions of Arsenal Football Club. He has got the money, he's secured funds, and he's got those three individuals in Vieira, Burkamp and Henry on board to be part of the board. And I'm OK with that. I would actually prefer that personally than mm. having them on the coaching staff. Now, a lot of people would disagree and say, oh, no, we want them back. They'd be brilliant for us. I'm not so sure they would. Let's let's look at it like this. Thierry Henry has tried it and it hasn't worked out for him. For whatever reason, it hasn't worked out. He's coaching. doesn't mean he's rubbish. It just hasn't worked out for him. Patrick Vieira hasn't worked out for him at Nice. Man City's kind of New York City, whatever it was, hasn't mm. worked out for Burkamp over Ajax. He's got removed. So, 
they want to be part of a club they love. And the good thing about them being on the board is that they care for the best interests of Arsenal Football Club moving forward and they can connect with the fans. I believe Thierry Henry last night when he said how serious Daniel Weck was. I believe Henry when he talked about the fans forum and the Arsenal Supporters Trust and how he wants to reach out and involve fans in the club. I believe that because why would he say that as a club legend to potentially tarnish what that legendary status is by lying mm. to the fans? I believe they have the best interests. Will they sell only if the price is right? And I think you're going to have to start with a two point something. One point something ain't going to cut it, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the Cronkies buying it for a billion, was it, or just under? They're going to want to at least yeah. double or treble their money. So I think if they were serious about selling, which I'm sure they will be, um, if the price is right, it does need to be a price that's respectful. I think the Cronkies probably looking at the European Super League wanted it to be 10, 30, 40 times that um, to be selling it for it. But now that that doesn't seem to be coming in, although I think there will be something that comes in into the Champions League format. But I think that's a different story. Um, I don't we think the Cronkies it. will sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think the Cronkies will sell unless it is, it is near to 2 billion plus, if I'm honest. But so I can see it happening if they've got that though. And, I, and I'm be excited with that because it's, I think what we need to be careful of, though, Tom, is we need to be aware as a fan base that this isn't going to be a Roman Abramovich or a, or a Sheikh Mansour situation. This is going to be someone who's going to take over that cares for Arsenal Football Club, which I'll take. Mm. He's not going to invest £250 million into the transfer market, though. I think we need to be aware of that. We'll still be a self-sustaining model, in my opinion, because I'm not sure how much this guy, um, investment this guy's got um, yeah. available. I agree with you. I don't think it comes down there. And, and as I, I agree with you also in saying that that's absolutely fine. That's the thing that I want different to Arsenal. Yes, to compete with Manchester City to be a title winner at the club regularly, you need to invest in that same regular standing every single season. But we know that Arsenal have the capabilities and the stadium and the income and the money available so that they can be a consistent top four challenger and challenge in the, well, I say challenge in the Champions League consistently, but I mean, you see teams like Ajax get into the semi-finals. We're seeing teams get to higher Porto, get into the quarterfinals. Arsenal can be in the, the, the teams if they get into the Champions League that can have a run at that competition and can get fortunate at that competition and maybe reach a final. If Spurs can get there, Arsenal could certainly get there. And I think that that's what kind of Arsenal fans sometimes have a bit of a skewed mindset about what their expectations are for the club in this day and age of football back 20 years ago yeah Arsenal in a situation where they could compete for the title regularly every single season because the transfer fees enabled them to they were able to bring in the players that could let them compete 20 years later under a self-sustaining model it's very difficult to do that Liverpool have gradually built up that self-sustaining model through really good selling of players like Coutinho and Suarez and even smaller players like Ivan Solanke and, and Brewster and getting in good money and then reinvesting that really smartly into players that are going to transform their side. Arsenal have not done that. And it's interesting, we talked about this yesterday where people said, well, Leicester started off at square one when they sat Claude Puel and look what Brendan Rodgers has done. And I said, I don't agree that they started at square one because they've recruited really well throughout that period. And Brendan Rodgers came in and inherited a really good squad that he's then continually added good players to. Arsenal are in a situation, and that's why I had the sympathy for Arteta, is because he came into a team that was wrecked by Emery, in my opinion. Awful kind of squad there and has tried to add a couple of players, but it's not going to take a couple of players. The issue we've now got with Arteta for me is that he is making too many managerial errors on a consistent basis that I can't justify and I can't support that. The only thing that I was justifying was basically the fact that I think we need more time and that I've seen good things with the recruitment side of things under this guy. But I have to also factor in that Edu is still going to be here and he was very much also involved in that good recruitment under his tenure. So there's a lot to think about and a lot to kind of take in. For the rest of the season, though, is where we need to kind of focus on 
and where things will change with Arteta, do you expect to see changes on Thursday? Do you expect to see Granite Xhaka moved out of that left-back spot? And, and do you expect to see a more reactive style manager during the game compared to what we've seen previously? No. <laughs> um, I thought you might you know, say well, that. <laughs> my problem is, Tom, like, listen, we're not going to see a false nine and a, and a stupid formation. We're not going to... Well, I don't know with this manager, mm. uh, <laughs> but I don't think we will. Um, we're going to see a Bamiyang up front. We're not going to see Smith Rowe in a false nine. That's for sure, right? Um, I can tell you what I think the team's going to be. Um, it ain't going to be what fans want. Um, I can tell you that. We'll see Leno in goal. Um, I think we'll probably see Callum Chambers at right back and at left back, I think we'll probably see Chaka, unfortunately. I think Rob Holden and Pablo Marie will be the centre-back pairing. I think we'll see Mohamed Elneny next to uh, Thomas Partey because Sabayas is obviously out. I can see Martin Erdegaard starting at number 10 and I think Saka will be on the right. Aubameyang will be up top and I think it's a choice of either Pepe or Smith-Rowe on the left-hand side. I don't think it's going to be Martinelli, mate. And I think that's shocking because he was yeah. so positive against Newcastle. He has been whenever I've seen him play. And people have said that he's, you know, he's trying to mould him into this side and he's trying not to get him injured and he's coming back from injury. I think he's BS. I don't think the guy rates him, him as much as what he does with some of the others. And then you see his stupid comment the other day saying that he doesn't work well with a left-back that goes forward. I mean, I saw him play with Saka and I thought they were two of the best left-sided left side that we've had since Perez and Cole when I saw them on the, uh, <laughs> in, the in the thing. Um, yeah. So what the hell is he talking about? You know, it's absolute rubbish. I'm obviously exaggerating, by the way. Um, but when I look at it, when I look at the situation of Kieran Tierney and, and Martinelli, that excites me down the left-hand side. So if that doesn't excite this manager, we're definitely on the wrong wavelength, me and Arteta, because I don't want to see Granite Xhaka in the left-back position because he got exposed and roasted by, you're going to say his name, not me, the right-winger. Set Maxa, man. Is that what you're talking no, about? No, oh, no, 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 no. Chuck yeah. Chuck Vesey, yeah. Um, uh, so he got exposed and, and done over by him on toast and I knew that was going to happen four minutes in with one nil down and it's like you know slapping your head to get your hand against your head thinking did you not how could you not see that coming um, and we will see that again unfortunately on Thursday night I don't see Cedric playing there I don't see people going free at the back with Saka I don't see Saka playing there at a four so I think that yeah we're going to see Granite Xhaka at left back and that worries me mate because I look at it and I think how many times are we going to see this manager mismanage some of these players and I use Martinelli as an example some of the players that I don't think are good enough have been mismanaged you know Eddie and Ketia I think it's, it's ridiculous what he's been doing with him I think that is totally mismanaging players I don't think he's good enough and I think he needs to be gone in the summer however you play him and then you think against Everton and then you go I'm going to play Smith Rowe instead of you <laughs> what the hell? And then yeah. you look at somebody like Reese Nelson who started to come back into the mix in the Europa League and started to play well I haven't seen him since uh, Maitland Niles, right back, right back, man of the match performance against Everton, goes left back after four weeks against um, Crystal Palace. And as a stinker, see you later, go on loan. Um, Saliba, mismanaged. Um, I do think he mismanaged uh, Pepe for a while. Now he's starting to play him, but not in the a position that he believes that he can continue him in. Martinelli, I've mentioned. Um, maybe Ceballos at times. And let me get, get, listen, some of these players aren't good enough. They need to go. But you need to manage them correctly. And I think he's destroying some of the confidence of some of these players. Centre-back pairing, I mean, how many have we had? The only mm. the only one I like to see, Pablo Marie and Gabriel, he's never played. So I, I, I'd, I'd like to see that, you know, moving forward. Um, and Willian, again, another player. He's mismanaged. So there's not many left 
Tom, if I'm honest, that he has got the best out of all managed well. A lot of people say Granite Chaka, a lot of people say Rob Holding, a lot of people say mm. Saka and Smith-Rowe. I think the Saka and Smith-Rowe, let's not forget that he was kind of forced into that solution on Boxing Day because of injuries and suspensions. And all of a sudden it clicked and worked for one game. And then it was like, what an unbelievable management achievement. Well, he would have still played Willian and uh, and um, Lacazette, uh, not Lacazette, Willian and Aubameyang if they didn't have COVID at the time and weren't injured. So, you know, let's not get get too excited about that. Um, so I still have question marks. First, he is probably the biggest game, well, certainly of Arteta's Arsenal tenure, but it's probably the biggest game since Baku, Tom, I reckon, on Thursday yeah. uh, for Arsenal Football Club. So he's got to get it right, mate. He's got to. I think that what people are saying in the chat box, and I've seen that I don't see all the pictures on Arsenal's Twitter feed, that Tierney was in training today. Oh, if, if Tierney doesn't play... I will be frustrated that they've gone out and kind of raised the, the the expectations, I suppose, of the fan base. And if you think about the fact that you're 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 in charge of the Twitter account that's got what I can't even think what it is, it's millions of followers at this point. It might be over twenty something ridiculous. And you put a picture up of both Lacazette and Tierney in full training. If they aren't in the squad or in the team on Thursday, that for me is such a kick in the teeth for the fan base seeing that. We talk about maybe it's mind games trying to really kind of obviously VRL will see those pictures and Unai Emery will see those and we know how Unai Emery likes to overthink things. But it's just a little bit ridiculous in my mind to post those pictures and to, for them not to be in there. I know that Arteta is going to be asked about those two in the press conference that I imagine taking place tomorrow or later today. So it's it's going to be frustrating if, if that's not the case or if he comes out of a negative answer for those two. But we obviously desperately would want Tierney to come back and, and play because that means Jack can obviously go into the middle. If I if I said to you that like we can play Tierney in this game, but it's a risk and it's a big risk to his fitness and he could say last 30, 40 minutes and be out for a, even longer and miss maybe the start of next season. Would you risk Tierney's fitness for the opportunity that he could make the game and play the whole game and, and absolutely smash it and it'd be the difference between us going out and going through having someone of that quality and then being able to put Xhaka in the middle? If Kieran Tierney's in contention, he starts because mm. he's so important to the way that we play or try to play. I've still not seen a style of play, still not seen an uh, understanding of where we're trying to go. But I know a great player when I see one. He's my favourite player by far, Kieran Tierney, mm. and no one else comes close, in my opinion. And that's not just because of his quality, it's because of his attitude. And I think that goes a long way. I've seen Kieran Tierney play some unbelievably good games, but when Tierney has an OK game, it's still better yeah. than most of the players on the pitch. So Kieran Tierney plays if he's fit and in contention or whatever that means. Now, it might be that he misses the remainder of the Premier League season. I don't care. Yeah, I really don't care. If he has two weeks out of a hamstring injury and he comes back for the final, whatever it be, brilliant. But we need to get there first. Play your best team. And Kieran Tierney is your best left back. So he has to play. If he's in training, which I didn't know about, Tom, to be honest, I've been busy today. But that's great, great news, man. That That is yeah. great news. Because I, I, I heard the latest, I think it was yesterday, that he's probably not going to make it. Um Kieran Tierney plays, mate. What I would do, I would never listen. I wouldn't play Granite Chaka there. That no chance would I be playing Granite Chaka yeah, yeah. there because he needs to be in midfield with Thomas Party. Because as much as I hate the guy and want him gone, he is the best we've got next to to next to Thomas Party, unfortunately. Right. So we need him in the midfield. Left back positions for me would be either Saka or Cedric. Um, but I feel like if Tierney's fit, it's not even a debate. He goes straight in. Yeah. 
So the, the the images are on the screen of of both Tierney and uh, Lacazette in training. Um, we've obviously the caption saying "Afternoon, boys!" Like it's the most baity thing you've seen. Like, yeah. <laughs> if if need it is, do you agree what I'm saying though? By saying like, "Afternoon, lads!" Like to say that, and for them then not to start the game, it just strikes me as a real kick in the teeth for the family. Dangling, the, dangling the carrot, mate, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I I can see. Both of them playing part in the game. Now, I've, now you've just showed me that. I think Tierney mm. will start, and Lacazette. It depends on what happens with with Aubameyang. I think he'll play a part of it. And sometimes in these games, Tom, it's not who you start with that win you the game. It's how you end it. And that that yeah. that to me is a massively important uh, important point because I think that you know if Lacazette and uh, Pepe and Aubameyang and Martinelli, they might not all start. Well, of course they're not all going to start, but I think they will play a part of the game. And sometimes it's how you finish uh, as to how you win. And let's be honest, mate, <laughs> this ain't a great side, Villarreal. They should be in the final, mate. They should be in the final. They should be 4-0 up. If it wasn't for Leno and Stoop, uh, Uno Emery did an Uno Emery in the first yeah. league, didn't he? Oh, because I said the on... reason why we're in the tie is because of him, not Arteta. Like... Humbly, uh, mate, yeah. absolutely it is. Francis Cochrane coming on and the striker coming off. Say his name, Alcas, Alcas. Paco Alcatha, yeah. Alcatha. Paco Alcatha. Alcatha, Paco Alcatha coming off. I thought to myself, is he serious? This, he's doing exactly what he did with us and we, he's given us a chance to come back into the game. So that's the yeah. only positive for this fixture tomorrow, uh, Thursday, sorry, is because we, we have a chance still. I, I do find it, it's um, obviously it was a bit of a, a rhetoric or an agenda you like where you saw there was individuals out there like uh, proper pushing the Emery look look at Emery beating Arteta completely fled to miss the point that we were actually in the tie because of his incompetence his 100%. managerial ridiculousness and that's the reason why we sacked him why we, we got rid of him in the first place because he's not a coach to, to take us to that next level and showed that um, he might make the final because of how bad we are, but certainly we're still in this time. We could get through because of his ineptitude from the last game. Um, before we go on to uh, the uh, next half of the video, I want to kind of talk about kind of alternatives um, to the coach and alternatives to like what you think if if we are going to get rid of Arteta, then where can we go? What is the alternatives? What do we go for next in terms of a coaching aesthetic? What Before we do that, though, the show is always, of course, supported by Football Prizes. And this week's 48-hour competition, uh, you can win a signed uh, Freddie Jumberg uh, Arsenal photo montage there. Uh, it's, there's only 48 hours. There's only, I think, yeah, just over two days left on this, which is longer than 48 hours. They've completely ruined that one. Can't even count up to 48 hours with this one. Um, but you've got two days and two hours to get your tickets. There's only 65 there. And already, I think, yeah, just under, just over half of them have been sold, actually. So uh, there's not going to be left for this one. It's a cheap one. So go and get it. Um, Kieran Tierney was the last one. I signed shirt. Uh, I don't actually know who won. If you do know in the chat box, then let us know. Um, but yeah, in terms of, Dan, when we look at, kind of alternatives the the man that when i've been on other channels with you and, and listen to what you've got to say about stuff is you always go to rafa benitez and i struggle with this i i struggle with the rafa benitez thing because i look at kind of his history of management i look at where he's been and you did obviously a really good job in the premier league with with liverpool ages ago um has come back before with chelsea during a brief period has been at Inter Milan where he didn't do as well and, and they didn't particularly like him. Real Madrid was a really tricky job for him anyway and wasn't really able to do what he wanted because of Perez's influence. And then he went to Newcastle where, of course, he got them up from the championship after relegation, stayed with them, got them back up to the Premier League. Uh, and then they desperately wanted to effectively keep him. And he basically said, look, if you're not going to back me in the window, I'm not going to stay. And Ashley turned around and basically said, I'm not going to back you. 
Um, and then went and spent 40 million on Joel Linton with Steve Bruce there, which is just the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, but I, I struggle with it because I feel like, for me, this club still needs a long-term kind of situation. And what I don't mean by that is an Arsene Wenger. I don't mean that type of thing. But I need someone that's going to be here for a fair few years, that's going to change the culture of the club, get out the issues that we've clearly got within the squad and build something, which is why we've always kind of used that trust the process situation because it is kind of a long-term thing. So can convince me, to the best of your lawyer abilities, Dan, why Benitez is, is a good option. Um, you summed it up when you said it last. Benitez is a good option. Let's get it right. He's not my first choice, that's for sure. Um, so I have to look at it realistically with what this ownership is. So mm. when I was asked that question, um, they said, realistically, who do you think would be a good choice? And I brought up Rafa Benitez because I think he is realistic. I don't think he's unrealistic. I think, my listen, my first two are clear. Diego Simeone and Antonio Conte are the two that I would take. If you said to me, you can have any managers you want, I would take those two. Allegri's in the mix but he hasn't done it in the Premier League and he hasn't done it um, with a Premier League team in Europe. Rafa Benitez has done all of those things. Not only has he got a team up from the Championship, which is very, very difficult to do, by the way, back into the Premier League, he's kept them in it. He's gone to Liverpool and overachieved, in my opinion, with that side. It was it was all right. You know, they had Gerrard and they had Alonso and had a couple of good players, but they weren't outstanding. You know, they did have Arbeloas and people like that in it. He did really well. He won the Champions League with them. He won the Europa League with Chelsea. And he competed probably with, I'd say, with Alex Ferguson for one of two or two of um, the best seasons in Premier League um, with Liverpool. So I think he's been there and he's done it. That's why I went for Rafa Benitez as a realistic option. He's available. I think he would come to us. And I think that he would do a better job than Arteta because of his experience. I like that he is an attacking coach, but has defensive uh, experience with some of the balancing transition. So I would be more than happy to see him in place of Mikel Arteta. However, what I do look at it um, is some of the options that you said about there being a long-term plan. Mm. I don't think that exists in football anymore, Tom, because if you buy a player and then you go up to that manager and say, cheers for buying me. You're right, if you give me three years just to see if I can get, they'll go, no, mate, we'll get another right back in or we'll get another centre back in. Mm. I don't think that you like that anymore in football. So, for example, the Willian signing, right? Was Willian a good option for a couple of years? Yeah, he probably was. It's turned out to be horrendous, by the way. But at yeah. the time when we signed him, Arteta was thinking of now. He wasn't thinking of five years' time. He was thinking, of, I need somebody to come in now who's going to give me some creativity. So when I saw that sign, and I thought, look, it hasn't excited me. He's 32. He's probably had his career. And it's turned out to be a horrendous signing. But those sort of signings, I can see why managers do them. I hate them. I want them gone. I don't want them anymore. But I understand why managers do it. Because their thinking is not, I'm going to look at this in five years' time. There is, I need to win games now, so I need a team that is going to do it. That's why the Aubameyang deal, in my opinion, was a good thing because he's doing it now. Again, another situation which hasn't quite worked out, but the understanding behind it was right. And that's why I want to, what I want to see. I don't want to see somebody given the five-year plan because in mm. five years' time, we could be down in the championship the way it's going. So we need something now, somebody to come in and say, right, what have we got here? This is a side that is not 10th in the league. This has got some unbelievable players, right? Some of them are shocking. Some of them need to go. There's an understanding that four or five of these individuals are not right for this club. But they managers in Allegri, Benitez, Simeone, Conti, Brendan Rodgers, Ten Hag, Nagelsmann, I'd take ahead of Mikel Arteta 100%. 
because they've all done something. Whether it's managed Leicester, whether it's managed Liverpool, whether it's managed Swansea, Mikel Arteta has not done any of that. Mikel Arteta has been an assistant coach and a very good one by all accounts. But that is very different, as Steve McLaren found out, to being a manager. So you need to understand that we need something now. So Rafa Benitez, the reason I went for him is because one, he's realistic. Two, he's done mm. it before with experience. And three, I think he's got the balance right with the transition of midfield, defence and strike force, which is something we just have not got under this manager. To pick up on the, the kind of long terminology thing, because I, I, I do disagree slightly because I look at, say, Liverpool and I go, well, they were out of Europe when they got rid of Brendan Rodgers. They brought in Jurgen Klopp. He's come in. He's been there a long time. He's built them up through some good transfers and signings and he's got them to a Premier League title and the Champions League. And that's what I look at as long-term. I don't consider long-term an Arsene Wenger style, and I don't want that to come across as, as misinterpreted. I do look at it as kind of that Klopp style where someone comes in and builds something over a period of time. And I, and I look at Arsenal as a situation, and I go, we, you aren't going to transform this team into a Premier League challenging side in two seasons. Um, and, and what coach is going to want to come in and go... I'm here for a couple of seasons to turn this team into top four sides when actually I rather would see a manager come in with the the objective of one day turning this side into a team that's a consistent top four team that then can hope to challenge for a title in, a, say, a one-off season where everything kind of falls into place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I get that. And I understand. Listen, Jurgen Klopp's a great example to use, by the way. Um, <laughs> but that's the manager that the board have backed. And I don't, and the owners are backed. I don't see that with this club. I don't see the Cronkies are going to say, "Here you go, here's unlimited funds. Get yourself sorted." I don't think fight. they have, though. I don't think Liverpool have backed. Well, they, needed, they needed a goalkeeper and a centre half, and they went and spent 140 million on. But they so made that money, didn't they, through you know? Coutinho and Suarez being they, sold? They did. They did. They made that money, but. I feel that Klopp has been backed in the right areas and the recruitment's been perfect. I think that's the key. Like Leicester, when you yeah. said about their um, their recruitment. I agree, by the way. I think that Claude Puel w w uh, needed to go. However, yeah, I yeah. don't think the squad was shockingly bad. They no. have replaced very, very well Leicester because if you look at the title-winning side from five, six years ago now, whenever the hell it is, um, it, it, there's only Jamie Vardy really that stayed. Everybody else has been replaced. Kante's been replaced with Ndidi. James Madison's replaced right, yeah. Drinkwater. Shemichael's still there. Um, obviously, Harvey Barnes has come in to replace Riyad Mahrez. You've got great mm. fullbacks that have been replaced. I think Liverpool have done that very well, and they've spent wisely because they've gone and looked at players from Stoke, Arsenal, Southampton, Roma, Leipzig, Hoffenheim, and they've gone and bought those sort of types of players. So I think the whole package has been better at Liverpool and Le uh, Leicester. I don't think we've, we've even got half a package at Arsenal, unfortunately. So that's why I think we need an experienced man in who knows what they're doing with this group of players that, let's be honest, in some areas are really quite weak. Um, so I think trying to compare us to Liverpool is going to be hard because I don't think we have the backroom staff that Liverpool and Leicester have. Yeah. No, I think that yeah, I think you're spot on um, in, in that sense, in the, in the sense that the recruitment and what's changed and what they brought in at Leicester and Liverpool is, is as close to perfect of a, a recruitment setup as you can really get. And Arsenal don't have that. So yeah, it's a solid point. I, I, I do see hope in the kind of the last 18 months of transfer windows. Like you look at the summer, the last summer of Emery, Martinelli coming in, Tierney coming in, good signings. You look at this summer, uh, Gabriel and Partey coming in. You look at this January, Erdogan coming in as a, a six-month option when we didn't have anything to kind of spend and Matt Ryan as good cover as well. Those fill me with confidence that we're going in kind of the right direction, that maybe we could. But obviously, the, the, the base for us, the, the foundations of this squad that is there 
already with those players in is still really, really low. And our floor is exceptionally low. We use the analogy of a floor and a ceiling of the club. And when we're playing really well, our ceiling is exceptionally high. But when we are bad, it is relegation for bad of how, how we can be. It, it does get to that level. And I'm not exaggerating. It is going to be a gradual process of, of, of changing things. We were talking uh, before we came on air about kind of, of what we expect from the summer and what we expect from the ownership and from whoever's in charge of the club at this point, whoever's the manager is, whoever the director is, whatever, is that in my mind, we need minimum four to five starters upgrading upon what we've already got and two backups really in the goalkeeper and left-back position. Yeah, we do. Do you think that's do you think that's a realistic you talked about Rafa Benitez as a realistic option? Am I thinking in realistic terms that Arsenal can go out and get those types of players, four starters and, and two backups? I think that normally you would say we can't all do it in one window. And I said that before. Mm. And the reason I was proven know. wrong is because in 2017 we actually did get rid of about 14 players in one window and we mm. bought in um, I think it was six or seven players that we thought it was the, I think it was the season of like, um, okay, where we right. brought in Callum <laughs> Chambers and all those kind of players. We got rid of so many, yeah, that just were dead wood, Tom, you know what I mean? A bit like now, you know, we need another clear out like that in the summer, you know? Um, I wrote some down earlier, actually. What did I write down? Um, Bellerin, Kalasanach, David Luiz obviously coming to an end of contract, Joe yeah. Willock, Maitland Niles, and um, Nelson, and as well as Eddie and Ketia, all to be sold, just young English that could probably get some money for. Torreira and Guendouzi look out of favour, to be honest, with Arteta uh, and Lacazette. So there's about 10 players there that, that, that all need to kind of be looked at, potentially moving on, that realistically we could. Now, I think there's some others, people will mention Chaka, people will mention Elneny. I think realistically, with our midfield um, and Ceballos going back to Real Madrid, I think that we're going to need to keep them too, unfortunately, because we just don't have the, the players. Um, mm. So that'll probably cost, I don't know, roughly without counting it all up, 100 million to get rid of all those players and probably recoup from those kind of 10 players. So we're averaging out about 10 million a player throughout the whole of those. Mm. And with the pandemic, I think that's probably realistic. So when I look at the situation, I think that, it's realistic to have a clear out. I don't. I think we need to be very realistic about who we're getting in. We're not going to be going and getting Jack Greedishes in. We're not going to be going and getting Harlands in. We just are not going to be doing that at the moment. All right. We need to be realistic. However, what we could do, and me and you had a chat on Ivory Squad the other day about it, is look at. We both agreed at players like Pisuma who could come in and be an upgrade on Granite Chaka. We could look at players like Emi Buendea from Norwich, who would be an upgrade yeah. on um, nobody. Because if Erdegaard goes back, we haven't got anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Um, Eduard from Celtic is rumoured to be 15 million to 20 million pound signing. Very, very good upgrade on Lacazette, in my opinion. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Lacazette when he's on fire, but mm. he only is on fire in a, like one every five games. And that's not good enough for me. Now, I'm not saying Eduard's going to be an, an Basuma. They could all be bad signings. You've got to take a bit of a risk when you when you bring players in. Um Right back's definitely an issue. Centre midfield's an issue. Creative midfield's an issue. Centre forward's an issue. Those four four options, I think, would be realistic. Um, a backup left back, by the way, is going to be cheap, as is Matt Ryan if we get him. So I don't look at those two and think, I don't think we're going to get all them done. So I think we could be optimistic to expect maybe four or five positions, Tom, if I'm honest with you, um, mm. this transfer window. But maybe I am being wishful thinking, so to speak. 
Well, I mean, you, you thought Basuma might cost 20 million. So wishful thinking and Dan <laughs> go hand in hand. <laughs> but I mean, we, we don't obviously know how much players are going to go for because things are still exceptionally unpredictable considering the pandemic and its effects on, on transfers for some players. There are always going to be players like your Jaden Sancho's and Haaland's that are going to go for ridiculous amounts of money no matter what the situation is. But there are other situations that you can take advantage of. And this is where Arsenal needs to be a little bit more savvy in the market. We were talking a little bit earlier about Guido Rodriguez from Real Betis uh, being linked to us via Spanish media. I'm a big fan of him from, from seeing a lot of what he's done. We're going to be doing some tactical breakdowns and stuff and, and educating people about him and, and obviously all the other Arsenal transfer links we get so far. But we need to be smart. We need to be going for players that can have an immediate impact. And like Rodriguez himself is 27. He's not exactly young, but he's in his prime and he will come into the team at the top of his game and, and can have a big impact on things next season, which is what we need. I think we need to see it with a mix of some younger players coming in as well, like your Odegaard kind of age level that's going to have an impact but still has a, a development track and can still improve. But you don't want to block routes for certain players as well, like Balogun coming in. That's why I'm a little bit wary of, say, a striker like a like a um, uh, an Eduard, uh, because you've got, say, Balogun there. You've got Alex Lacazette and, and Aubameyang that are likely probably going to stay for another season or a season or two. And that could be the amount of time it takes for, say, Balogun to emerge and become that key striker that we need. I think it's maybe one where you maybe see next season what impact Balogun can have and then you can make a decision a year later on a striker because he's got a long-term contract so we can afford to take the time and make that decision on that player now. Um, right back is a really weird situation. We talked about Emerson um, previously at Real Betis too. Other people have suggested some other players like Lamptey at Brighton, for instance, is a player that you could go out and get. He's got a long-term contract, so it could be a little bit pricey. Um but it's about Arsenal, ultimately, what I feel is changing the way that they go into the transfer market. You talked about Buendia, you talked about Bissouma, and these are both guys that have played in the Premier League, and we haven't had that for so long, signing Premier League proven players that are in their prime. I'm not talking about your Cedrics, your Elbecks, your Louises, your Williams, not players that are either surplus or coming to the end of their careers, players that are starting for their Premier League teams and will have an immediate transition and impact on the Arsenal team next season. That's what we need. It's just, we don't know if that's what we're going to get. It's, it's what it's, we got it's to do. It's spot on what you're saying with the Premier League stuff, mate, because I look at players that are on form and I'd rather have them on form in the Premier League. That's why I think Basuma would be a great shout because he's had a great season. He's realistic. Um, you know, 25 million, like I said, maybe is a little bit low, but there is rumours that 30 would probably do it. I think Berndaya will probably be about that as well, to be honest, from mm. Norwich, because they've now gone back up to the prem, uh, to the Premiership. Um, but, there's a couple of comments in the chat that I just wanted to to, to kind of clear up because obviously I'm looking at getting getting rid of quite a few players, which I think needs to happen. Um, some of them are young and English, but I don't think that matters because I think you just promote from within. So Balogun goes instead of Reese Nelson, Aziz goes in instead of Willock. Do you see what I mean? So we we yeah. upgrade some of the youngsters. Even Lopez at left back, apparently, according to Danny from Burkamp Wonderland, he's really, really a massive fan of this lad and thinks that he could be, you know, a real good talent. I've not seen enough of him. I don't really watch the under 23s, but apparently he's an option. So we could promote from within it just because we're getting rid of the Willocks and make the Niles and saying, look, you know, you've you hit your 20s, you've not quite made it. We're going to take 15 million for you or 10 million for you, whatever it be. I don't think that's a bad option. If you're going to spend that, say, you get rid of, you know, you make 35 million from Nelson. Um, Maitland-Niles and Willock and you go and buy Basuma, I'd be okay with that because then you promote Aziz, promote Balogun and then you've still got the same three players there. So that's the way mm. I see it personally. I think it's just being clever with what you've got at your disposal. And I think we have got some players that can, can actually bring in a, a more money than people are saying um, if you if you were to, to sell a few more than, than perhaps people would be would like to. 
Yeah, I think you're spot on about those kind of selling off a certain number of players to bring in someone that's going to ultimately make a big impact. Liverpool sell Ibe, Solanke and Brewster. And that money that they've made from those three, I know over a different time period, but they add up to a Fabinho. They add up to these guys that are going to come in and really change that team for the better. And it is important. I think sometimes people get attached to some of the youngsters quite a lot and don't want to necessarily see them go. Like Nelson's a big one. I see a lot of people just desperately pining on this guy to be the next big thing. And I really don't see it personally. I do not see what some people see in this kid. I think that in the performances he's shown, he doesn't take his chances. He might be energetic, but it's nowhere near comparative to say a Martinelli style energetic type of player. And he just doesn't, really give me kind of the, the fizz that say a, a Saka did or a Martinelli does and I, what I hope that will go back further like Walcott and Oxley chamberlain when they come in they were young and you thought yeah I can see it, it hasn't worked out for either of them actually I think they should have done a lot better with their careers I don't yeah. even get that with Nelson and he's like older than they were now I, I just don't see yeah. it I'm with you mate yeah, it's it's a, obviously it's a tricky one seeing the kind of your Hale End Academy graduates go, but I think it's important that you it's part of the process, which without using that terminology again, <laughs> it is part of that. Because you see some players stay, your Smith Rose, your Sackers uh, stay at the club, uh, and you see others that are sold and moved on. And yes, you might get a situation like a Serge Gnabry once in a while or a, uh, an Ismail Banassa, but I said this on the other show. No one knew Ismail Banassa when he left Arsenal. I didn't see any furore about this kid leaving Arsenal no. whatsoever. And now he's doing very well at AC Milan. I had done well at Empoli as well. I, I'm not up for this bringing players back all the time, by the way. Like Banassa. Oh, so you don't I want Chesney back then? Chesney, I heard that today. Oh, please. Ramsey's I'm actually, I'm kind of okay with it. He does actually what? go down as a homegrown player. Yeah, no, Chesney, mate. Because I think that with Chesney, is you've got a player that's 31. He's been playing at Juventus at the top of kind of European football for quite a long time. He, he ousted Joan Luigi Buffon. I know he's a, a very different age of a player. He counts as homegrown for us as well as another kind of thing that comes in. And he is a, a good goalkeeper beyond everything else. And I do rate as him as number one or as number two you're talking? I think he comes in next season. He, he's better than Leno, in my view. So he's a better goalkeeper than Leno. And I think he's shown that at Juventus. So... I mean, look into it. Have a look at his performances for Juve um, and then maybe it'll convince you otherwise what he's done since. Well, I see Glenn Kamara today as well, by the way. Another one we should be getting back. I'm yeah. like, what is it with all these players coming back to Arsenal? We need to be moving forward, not back 10 years. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though, Dan, uh, like, there, sometimes it does work. Like Sometimes players do go back and, and do really, really well. Um, it's, it, it happens at a lot of big clubs. You see players go back and, and, and really change things. Um, from what they did previously. So it could work with Arsenal. It might not, um, but uh, it's always sometimes it's worth taking a risk as long as you've got some assurances like a Basuma, which we'd be, really be liking in the summer, mm-hmm. of course. I'd like to thank you for your time, mate, this uh, this evening. really appreciate you jumping on uh, for a chat. It's always a pleasure. Mate, thank you for having me on. Um, always uh, like coming on here, mate, and chatting to, to you. It's quite nice a little bit like Harry, really. We we never always agree, but always respectful and uh, appreciate we're both gooners and want the best for the club. But I appreciate you mm. having me on, mate. No problem at all. You can find Dan on at Dan, Dan Potts. I don't want to say at Dan Potts. It's at Dan Arsenal 87 on Twitter. You can find him, of course, at Same Old Arsenal, which is going to be featuring on very soon this evening. So make sure you go watch him over there as well. And of course, on all the other platforms. Are you still doing the, the Guns of Yellow Roses stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. So I do. I do sometimes, not often now. Um, 
more of a kind of guest appearance on on there now. There's they've got a a, a, a kind of set panel over there now, um, and because I've done same old Arsenal and I've been doing that Mondays and Fridays, I didn't really have the time mm. to do to do it regularly with them as well. So um, Guns and Yellow Ribbons is a really good podcast. Go and uh, follow them. Um, Fergus Keaton and Trev Hill are a great laugh over there. Um, same old Arsenal Mondays and Fridays at seven or eight o'clock, depending on what time Lee Judges finishes his football normally. Um, <laughs> the work around judges. Um, so yeah, please come and follow um, myself on Twitter and uh, yeah, and also get involved with the same old Arsenal. But thank you, there Tom. You no problem at all. You can obviously find us at the Good and Talk TV and myself at Tom Cantor Media. Till we'll be back tomorrow morning at eight a.m. Because I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm committing now to an eight a.m. show every single Oof. day covering Arsenal's <laughs> transfer news. So it's uh, it gets me out of bed. It's going to get me going for a run afterwards, going to the gym if I can. I'm going to try my best to, to change my life through the process of Arsenal, which is, you know, it's already a failure before it begins. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to all of you guys and Dan, of course. We'll see you again tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. See you very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. <laughs>